Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help you answer the question Is it true that in 2023, Netflix is finally finishing its DVD mail out program? Yes. I thought for sure that was already dead. I think that but was just no. a straight up news story. It wasn't really something I can answer for you. It's just a, it's a fact. I'm your host, Ashley. Hopefully, join me today, Don Blood. <laughs> Full of facts. Full of facts. It's it's just weird though, you know. That it's taken this long for them to to kill it off. Remember when they were going to split it into two separate companies? It was like uh, Netflix no. and like some random weird name, like Flickster or something. Oh, yeah, Flickster was an Australian thing, right? No, no, no. Something like that. I don't think it was exactly Flickster. But then they announced it, and, like, some random dude had the Twitter handle. He's like, I'll sell it to them for, like, a million dollars or something. So they just cancelled it. Yeah, <laughs> and they just yeah. kept it as Netflix. Weird story. But, yeah, rip to... Rip to mail out DVDs, I guess. Okay. Does this signal the end of physical media? No. Not while I'm around. No. Dylan will keep those steel book <laughs> tails up. <laughs> All right. On today's episode of What Do You Want to Watch, we'll be discussing what's in our watch history, talking about some film news, giving some thumbs with trailers, and talking about this week's top three. I'll uh, we'll kick things off. The Mandalorian season three finished up last week, of course, following the trials and tribulations of Jin Jaren uh, and Grogu. Um, of course, we've been talking about the season over on Holocron entries, but Dylan, do you want to give your overall thoughts on season three of the Mandalorian? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a rough season. I feel like we were complaining more than being positive. It, I, and we talked about in the last episode, how it wasn't just even us. I feel like I was seeing more criticisms about the show than I had for any of the other past seasons. I'm not sure if it is entirely just that the writing and everything just seemed worse than usual this season. Or if it's after having Andor and seeing a much higher quality written Star Wars <laughs> show, that it just made the the fault stand out more. But that's or, where we're at. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. Is or is it since the last season of Mandalorian, we've had Book of Boba Fett, which, which was bad, and Obi Wan, which was not well received either. Yeah, which was, and then the high of Andor. Yeah, and then we get this, which is somewhere between those two things. <laughs> Is yeah, I, I, think, I, I think that's part I of it. I think because we got used to being critical of Star Wars, we yeah. were more willing to be more critical about this. Yeah. I mean, I, do, I don't recall... It's not like I've ever been like in like saying this is the best show ever. I definitely feel like I was more critical of the second season than the first. Like, I feel like the show's got worse as it's going along. <laughs> sounds really bad to say, but... Um, I, it's like one of those things where I watch it and I enjoy it, but just know that it's sort of bad. At the same time, like it's the the positives of the show are, are held up by characters not created for this show. Um, the fact that it's just Star Wars and there's elements of it that are just generally cool and that helps elevate it. Grogu being cute is just a, a helps elevate other sort of parts. But yeah, for the most part, you're like, why? It's just it's just weirdly written. Like John Favreau writes this, I think, just one one draft and knocks it out of the park. I think the the most interesting thing coming up is. If Ahsoka is shit, 
then I can't put all the blame on John Favreau, and I have to go. <laughs> go it's Dave, Dave Filoni as well. He's like lost he his just spark, only, yeah. yeah, he's just lost his spark or something. So that will be the interesting thing because he co-writes like one episode a season, maybe two at the moment um, of this. But he's the executive producer, of course. But John Favreau like writes every episode, and then Ahsoka, John Favreau, um, Dave Filoni's wrote every episode of Ahsoka. So mm. yeah, wait and see uh yeah i mean i enjoyed the season overall i think there's definitely peaks and valleys um it did yeah it's been a kind of the overall season plot of like the mandalorians all coming back together to go to mandalore you know was fun bo katan was cool to see uh become a prominent character this season i don't know if she what she's going to do going forward uh and the season definitely leaves off in an interesting place where the potential for a season four is much more intriguing like just give us fun space adventures, uh, space cop adventures with Grogu and Jin, solving week week by week mysteries. That's that's what I want. I don't know if what fan that's what fans want, uh, especially based on the reaction to episode six uh, of the season with uh, Jack Black and Lizzo, where everybody seemed to lose their minds over yeah. that. But we loved it. Best yeah. episode of the season, the most hated one. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know it's just. They're trying to figure out a mystery in Star Wars. The worst thing about that too is people sharing screenshots of that, and then for people who aren't, don't watch the show, like I'd see people scare, share screenshots and be like, "Man, this week's episode sucked, absolutely the worst thing ever." And you'd see someone reply like, "Yeah, this is the reason I don't watch the show. This is it." Like, this was completely not like out norm. of context, like whatever else. Like, yeah, some of those screenshots of Jack Black and stuff looked very fucking weird. But it was a very weird episode. But it was very fun. Like, <laughs> I mean, most screenshots of any show, if you time it right, are going to look weird. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, Mandalorian, check it out, and of course, go over to Holocron entries to check out all our episode by episode discussions of the Mandalorian if you're catching up. Uh, yeah, uh, Dylan, you went out and watched Evil Dead Rise. How much cheese grater was there? Uh, there was a cheese grater indeed used in the film. Um, my favorite part is they made that one like one of the official uh, emojis. Like, yeah, emojis. Yeah, <laughs> it's good shit. Uh, Evil Dead Rise is everything I feel like most people would want out of an Evil Dead movie in the year, in the year twenty twenty three. Uh, it does lean more in the direction of the tone of the two thousand and it was a 13 yeah it's like 10 years old 2013 evil dead film which was just dead serious like nasty and stuff like that people often have this debate and you'll see them i've seen people like put out their rankings where people complain that this one and the last one lost the cheese factor and the argument and i'm on i'm on the side where i agree with this but the argument is that the first film was only cheesy because of budget reasons and it wasn't actually meant to be cheesy it was it was meant to be like a serious you know like gory horror movie um and then sort of became known for its cheese factor um army of dead meant to be cheesy that's meant to be like a, a horror comedy however evil dead was never meant to be cheesy in in its factor but uh this one's really cool it sort of gets it away from the the local house location that you've had for all the other evil dead films outside of army of dead and the tv show of course but every other main film takes place in the same cabin uh, this one takes it to a multi-story, like massive, whatever, like apartment complex building in whatever city I can't remember. Doesn't really matter. American city, and they somehow the the kids of this 
family, discover when an earthquake happens, I discover these records and the Book of the Dead, and then, of course, they listen to it and um, unleash the evil spirits and they take hold of first the the mother who's you see all in the, the trailer and she's on the posters and stuff like that. The actress, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, she's been getting nothing but praise, rightfully so, because she's Melissa just... Sutherland? Yeah. Who plays the Dead Eye? Huh? Yeah, the Dead Eye, yeah, yeah. She, everyone's, like, giving her a lot of praise for this. I think um, she was in so. Vikings, was her thing? I can't... I've not seen that show, but she's very yeah. good in this. Is it Vikings? Yeah, yeah, okay, there you go. Um, she's very good in this. Uh, like very loving and like interesting character at first, and then she's taken over. Just mummies with the maggots now, like all this sort of stuff is just like so. She's like so freaky and scary, which is really really good. Um, the apartment complex location works really really well because it's this gives you this claustrophobic setting while. And the movie is like a sharp 90 minutes, I think. So it doesn't ever like overstay its welcome or anything like that. But if you want your, if you want a nasty evil dead movie with some really fuck up, uh, fucked up, uh, kills and moments, one involving a cheese grater, uh, this is, this is definitely going to be for you because the, I mean, by the end, it doesn't quite have the same ending that the 2013 movie had, which had one of the goriest, absolute most blood drenched scenes of any movie any horror movie ever um but this movie definitely attempts to do something just as uh, as intense and it nearly gets there it's still very very good but not quite as blood soaked as the 2013 remake all right uh i went to an advanced screening of polite society so this is a uh british action comedy uh directed by nida manzor that stars priya kansara and ritu aria uh about a young girl called Rhea Khan who uh, hopes to become a stunt woman, uh, practices like a bunch of martial arts and that kind of stuff, uh, but her family does not want her to become a stunt woman. Uh, she lives at home with her sister who... Uh, <gasps> I just remember I watched a trailer, as you're talking, I'm like, what is this? And I remember I watched a trailer for this. I never heard of it. And it played a trailer for something I saw a couple of weeks ago. I remember being like, man, this movie looks wild. I want to watch this. So you better tell me it was good. Continue. Yeah, this her sister's uh, at art school dropout and like kind of trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life and that kind of stuff. Um, and she becomes she starts a relationship with like a like a doctor dude from a rich family, um, like within the Pakistani kind of community, uh, and they quickly become engaged. And the uh, Rhea believes there's some sort of plot behind why she, her sister's got into this relationship. Um, and she uh, has to try and figure out why is there something more sinister behind that kind of stuff. Um, it is a really fun movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, there, are, there's like kind of cringy elements of it because she's constantly trying to like do this fist of the fury, I am the fury thing to the camera. Like she shoots like a bunch of YouTube videos and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's very funny and lots of dumb little heists and shenanigans and that kind of stuff whether it's them trying to infiltrate the boyfriend's, like, gym so they can steal his laptop and stuff and, like, wearing fake mustaches and <laughs> uh, dumb outfits and that kind of stuff. Um, the action overall is pretty solid. I mean, you know, I don't think it's... It's not John Wick, but, I mean, it's it's serviceable. Well, what is? For what, you know? Not much is. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. It's a fun, interesting look at, like, a Pakistani a british pakistani family uh and like kind of the societal 
elements that are still involved in uh, this British society, I guess. Like, obviously, these two girls are very much not want, wanting to, like, do non the non-typical kind of careers that are uh, expected of, like, uh, immigrant families families and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, just really enjoy this, like, some over-the-top craziness. Like, the two girls get into a fight at some point and they're just smashing each other around the room and, like, putting each other through doors and shit. So, um, it's, it's definitely a heightened uh, experience or heightened reality. Um but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it, there's a lot of fun elements to it. Lots of story about sisterhood and friendship and, you know, evil evil people, potentially. So yeah, check out Polite Society. I believe it is releasing cinemas this week, the 27th, off the top of my head. So yeah, I would definitely recommend checking that out. I also watched Ghosted, the new film starring Chris Evans and Andy Armas on Apple TV+, Plus, directed by Dexter Fletcher. Uh, in which uh, Chris Evans plays a uh, farmer, I guess, uh, or he, he he's a uh, agricultural scholar who stayed at home to help his father with his farm uh, because you know he had an injury or whatever, and is kind of stuck in like a rut of being you know not wanting to go out and do anything. Uh, who comes across Anatomy Armas as he's selling <laughs> selling honey at a mar- farmer's market. <laughs> Uh, and then proceeds to have an amazing first date. Um, uh, but then it turns out she's a CIA agent. Uh, after He finds out after following her to London because he accidentally accidentally left uh, his uh, asthma inhaler in her bag. You know? And he, he's, he's a guy who, like, loses all the stuff. So he has trackers and all these different things. So he realizes she's in London, so he follows her there, thinking it's going to be this big romantic gesture. Uh, and then he gets caught up into uh, this massive uh, international incident because, uh, you know, she's on, went on some mission and had some sort of passcode that, uh, you know, unlocks some secret weapon and that kind of stuff. So it is an average, you know, action comedy, uh, definitely relying on the charm of... Uh, Andy Armas and Chris Evans, and they certainly deliver on that. If you like them as actors, I think you'll get some some sort of enjoyment out of this. If you're going into this expecting it to be John Wick, it's not going to be John Wick, even though I think there is some fun, creative action sequences. Um, There's some fun banter and that kind of stuff. Um, I think, you know, the other thing that, like, will people enjoyed, there's some fun cameos. Uh, If you look at the people involved in the project, you can probably guess who shows up in the movie uh, in different parts. Um, but yeah, it's very short. It's only like 90 something minutes. So, I mean, it's not, it's a perfectly fine uh, night in pretty solid action, pretty solid performances, enjoyable enough. It's not going to blow your mind. Uh, but, you know, I don't think it's as offensive or bad as people are potentially. Uh, saying out there it's like this is terrible this is what captain america has been uh this is the depths captain america has been drawn to and that kind of shit so i think it's enjoyable enough but yeah ghosted on apple tv plus check it out you know if you want (laughs) uh dylan i saw that you binge watched class class of a nine did i binge watch it it took me a couple weeks 
it, it seemed like there was a big bulk of episodes in one go. Oh, Maybe you tracked it very quickly. <laughs> um, Class of 09, yeah. Uh, prime original uh, Australian series. It is about a, what do you call it? A uh, like 10 year reunion uh, that's happening yep. at this, uh, I think it's set. I said because Class of 07, actually. Class of 09 is the new show that's coming out. Ah, uh, Class of 07. Yeah. Yeah. Put it but wrong Class of 09. That's a, that is a show too, but uh, Class of 07, yeah. So it's coming out. Completely um, different. Have, that one's about. Yep. <laughs> yep. <The FBI>. yep. <laughs> this one's about uh, Apocalypse. Very yeah. different. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, set in New South Wales. And uh, so the main character is played by Emily Browning. She The show starts with her having this this whole thing obviously where she gets shit on is very funny um and then yeah they the the world apocalypse happens did you finish it in your no. thing yeah okay so how far did you get i got like two or three episodes in yeah okay so yeah the the whole bit is that they get in case you missed it they the world starts falling apart water starts like sort of erupting out of the ground and then emily browning's character she rushes up to the high school reunion she's ignoring because she got shot on by a bird on uh live like reality, a TV. Daily, reality tv dating show and do want to show up there uh and then when she gets there she meets up with all the it was an old girls school so it's just like all these these girls and uh the whole place just gets flooded and they're sort of stuck only at their their school as the episodes progress it sort of takes i don't know it's sort of trying to mix this thing where so caitlin stacy's character um by the second or third episode she sort of ends up taking charge of the group because she's sort of asked to because she was like a real bitch in high school or whatever um so which she's a changed person now so she steps back into that character and she tries to get all the girls to do stuff like they tried going like hardcore and trying to like batteries so like charge batteries via bikes so they can send out help messages and um, all this sort of stuff their food disappears within the first a couple episodes because someone eats it all and um all these characters like consistently make really annoying and dumb decisions so uh but I, it's part of the <laughs> it's part of the the bit charm, i guess yeah. uh, the charm all the characters are really over the top silly in one way or another um there's some ridiculous things that happen in the later half of the season with which includes like a, a whole court case being set up between all of them and oh <laughs> weird shit but yeah i i thought it was really enjoyable it is very um and the reason i, I was like wondering if you finished it because it does have a lot of like awkward humor and crude humor which i know isn't like mm. your yeah preferred cup of tea uh if we say that i mean there's an episode i think like fourth or fifth episode they all get food poisoning at one stage here and there's nothing but straight throwing up for <laughs> like <laughs> one bit they like Managed okay. to find one fish and they just like do not cook that shit at all properly. <laughs> like, <it's> just, <laughs> they got food poison coming out every left, right, and there. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I um think Emily Browning's usually pretty good in everything she's in. Caitlin Stacey's uh like I don't know, she's really good in this. Uh, I think like she was on a home of the way or whatever, and then she did a couple other things, but I think she struggled to f- sort of find her um her she's vibe, a smile I guess. girl, right? She's what? The smile girl from the poster. Yeah, yeah, she's on the she's on the poster. <laughs> she's not the main character. No, she's the yeah. she's the one who like kills herself at the start. Um, and there's on the poster. I mean, that's not a spoiler. It's literally in the trailer. She, yeah, like <laughs> the whole setup for the movie. Um, but yeah, she was in like so. She's really good in this as well. And there's a bunch of all the other characters I don't really know. I think they're more recent actors, but I think everyone's Australian. So yeah, um, apart from like one or two people. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm again, I'm very happy to continue to get more Australian shows on these 
the Australian co-produced shows that are made in Australia uh, on all these streaming services. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm watching a bunch this year, which I'm not going to complain too much about. Is I've been watching them between Prime and Stan and Netflix and fucking yeah. Disney. Everyone has stuff going on, which is good. Yeah, doing it so they don't have to. <laughs> the Australian government will not uh, mandate it, probably. Yeah, like oh, we're but, already doing it. Don't worry, which about is it. fine. I remember when we discussed the story like a year ago. I was like, "That's." I was totally like, "That sounds good." I don't really. I don't feel like that's a. a like I think that's fair. Uh, but if the if the if they're not going to mandate it and we still get the shows because they just, they want to do it so they don't get in trouble, that works too. Yeah, whatever helps. Whatever helps. Uh, so I've been watching the latest season of Schmigadoon. So, of course, the, the uh, Apple TV Plus show starring Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key, uh, which is about a couple who go who accidentally wander into a fictional, fictitious small town of Schmigadoon, uh, which is was, uh, like, in the golden age of musicals, uh, like a bunch of, like, people singing songs and dancing. Yeah, you know, it was a musical. <laughs> Uh, the second season takes a twist where they try to go back to Schmigadoon after like leaving uh, the town after finding true love and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Schmigadoon has been replaced with the city of Chicago, <laughs> uh, and this season has been more influenced by uh, the musicals of the sixties and seventies. So, like, of course, Chicago uh, and Sweeney Todd and. Uh, Musicals of that ilk. Um, Titus Burgess uh, joins the cast as the narrator, uh, who <laughs> is very amusing. Lot this this season of Schmigadoon uh, is fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, maybe it's just vibing more with me because I'm enjoying more of the darker and silly uh, takes on the musicals, and this makes more more relatable than the the golden age musicals of the the first season. Um, the season also kicks off with like a murder mystery <laughs> uh, because uh, King Your Michael Key's character is like framed, framed for a murder at the start of the season. Um, yeah, really enjoyable. Like th- a lot of the cast from the first season are back, but they're all playing like different roles to what they did in the first season. So it's like completely new ensemble. Um, yeah, and there's like a bunch of, there's so many like laughable jokes and like, uh, fun songs i'm sure you've seen some on social media like jane krasinski has a big uh uh like lawyer number called bells and whistles where she says you know her strategy to winning court cases is just a bunch of bells and whistles uh and also an extensive knowledge of the the law uh very important uh and then, then in this most recent episode uh spoilers but uh there is a song about uh oh, who is it it's Kristen Chenoweth and uh, Alan Cummings sing a song about uh, how they're going to take the multiple orphans that she's been taking care of because she has too many orphans. And the butcher, played by Alan Cummings, has doesn't have enough meat in his butcher shop, so they're going to murder all these orphans and sell them as meat in his butcher shop. And they sing a song about it, you know? Nice. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, cannibalism, going strong, 2023 continues to be a strong plot line um <laughs> it is just delightful i would recommend checking it out uh even if you haven't seen for season one i think you could jump straight into season two uh and still get a fair amount of j- enjoyment out of it i think the recap probably does enough um other than you know, there'll be like some jokes and 
like referencing the, what the characters did in the previous season. Uh, but for the most part, I think it's completely fresh and you can probably jump in. But yeah, I'm really enjoying Schmigadoon, uh season two. There's only, four episodes so far. Apparently there's only six. Yeah, there's only six episodes for the season. So uh, I'm definitely very keen to check out the last two episodes. Uh, Dylan, you watched Possessor Uncut. Um, so I'd been wanting, I never got around to watching this, even though it was always on my, my list. Oh, really? one of, yeah, no, it was just like one of the most talked about movies of 2020 and I really wanted to watch it, but you know, I never fucking, <laughs> I never, it never came to cinema. I never, it never, well, it, there was some, something that happened in 2020 that made it difficult for to get into cinema. Yeah, true. I guess. And then I couldn't like get anywhere. But also you're the assistant, so. Yeah. And it fell into that list of stuff I'll get to eventually, eventually, eventually. And then forgot about it for a while. And anyway, we're back here. I watched it. Um, the, really, really good. So I, the the setup for this movie is that it's a, like there's a, organ, like a hitman organization that the main character who's played by um, Andrea Riseborough. Uh, yeah. She is like, she puts on this like headset sort of thing and they're able to put her consciousness into a, into control of someone else and then she kills and performs like a hit basically uh on a target via someone else and then it's all played out in a way that no one would ever suspect foul play because they're just like they'll have some narrative built out where it's like this person lost their mind or it was the girlfriend's partners because they got jealous like they'll have a thing so that the news will just no one will ever suspect foul play they don't know anything so it's like sort of this very futuristic um idea about like the hitman sort of organization that's happening um the movie starts with this scene where she's in control of someone and she goes into this room and she like stabs someone as this uh this woman she's in control of at the time uh but then at the end she's supposed to shoot herself to because of course they can't have they can't like take her consciousness out and then have the other the person be like, I was in control of my body and like it'll just be it'll make the whole thing messier. So they're supposed to sh- she's supposed to shoot herself and then like she'll come back into her own body and whatever else. But she's unable to do it or she's struggling. Luckily, cops come in and shoot her anyway. Um, but then when she goes to do her second job, which is where she takes over the body of uh, this character played by um, Christopher Abbott, she is starts losing like sinking in and out of being control like having to fight control for it um jennifer jason lee plays her handler i guess if you want to call it that yeah like the person that oversees her during these jobs and stuff but yeah then the movie like sinks into this thing where she's trying to fulfill this job and this hit while still struggling with the the fact that she's like sort of losing consciousness and stuff like that um the movie's it plays into a lot of these really interesting themes about like how we as humans sort of pretend to be certain types of people in, or like act in, in you know, you'll act differently in front of different people or you'll put on like a whole thing. Cause after the, her first job at the start of the, the movie, she does, there's this really interesting s- sequence where she's standing she goes home where her ex-husband's with her child at the time. And before walking in, she does this, there's this whole sequence where she stands there being like, hello, darling. Like, it's I've missed you. Like, oh, hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry too. Like, just trying to, like, talk normally because she's been in control of someone else for, for so long. She's sort of having to then practice how to even be her own self, which is, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It's 
it's a sci-fi horror movie, I guess. It's not like a typical... The horror movie aspect is just that when when someone dies in this movie, they die. <laughs> they die in a fucking, in a visceral fashion, <laughs> to, to put it, to put it that way. But yeah, that, that like sort of leans a lot on the sci-fi element for the, the core concept of the movie. And, and then, yeah, it just gets sort of fucked up when stuff happens. Um, the movie posters, I guess the thing that stands out that like creeps people out where this is character wearing. So it's actually another character wearing her face, like, and that becomes part of the plot point. But um, yeah, really, really, really enjoyed it. I, I think it's very high concept sci-fi horror stuff, which of course Big Daddy was also known for doing. So uh, Brandon's continuing in the same footsteps. Good Ooh. shit. Good shit. All right, that's everything I watched the tree. Let's just jump straight into film news, and it's it's kind of a quiet week this week. Uh, but CinemaCon is about to take place uh, as we're about to t- as we're talking. Uh, so next week, I would assume bunch of stuff to talk about um yeah interestingly they're showing showing three films in com- like completion over like in its entirety at CinemaCon: uh the flash joyride and uh the boogeyman so i'm sure Can we'll i just see. say quickly yeah i when i went and watched whatever I, what did i last watch in cinemas Oh, Evil Dead, right. So when I watched Evil Dead, they showed a trailer for The Flash I'd never seen before. Is this just because I've been ignoring the marketing material or did one just come out? <laughs> I don't know what, what was in the trailer. It had like a lot of Batman, like Michael Keaton stuff, and it had showed a lot more of Supergirl. Like it was just like a bunch of stuff I'd never seen before. I've never seen this trailer in my life. Maybe you just avoided it. Maybe, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking. There'll probably be, a- I know there's going to be a new trailer tomorrow and uh I'm sure we'll see a bunch of other trailers in the next week. So talk about that all next week. Uh, but this week, Dylan, break out the sparkles. The Twilight Saga is getting the television treatment, as sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. A series version of author Stephanie Meyer's best-selling series uh, is in early development at Lion Gate Television. Sydney Daly, whose credits include Tell Me Lies, The Walking Dead, World Beyond, Raised by Wolves, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and The Get Down is attached to write the script for Twilight, Sources say Daly is working with Blindsgate to determine what the specific take on Twilight will be and if it will be a remake of Maya's book or a different offshoot of the Twilight TV series Infancy and do not yet have a network platform or studio, sources say. Uh, says the studio, which controls the rights to the franchise, plans to lead the development on the project before shopping the rights to the package. There is not a timeline for when the Twilight series will be taken out to potential buyers. Dylan, are you surprised that we're going to get a Twilight television series? Nah, they were like, yeah, Harry, Harry Potter's on. Like, let's just go grab all... Let's just fucking nab up all the popular YA novel series and turn them into <laughs> um, TV series. TV series. So, sure. Is it, is it, it's kind of an interesting trend, uh, you know, obviously with the Harry Potter series, but also like Lord of the Rings, like taking massive film franchises that we know and love and like kind of either remaking them completely or uh, doing offshoot projects. Like, yeah, I mean, well, Lord of the Rings ones sort of made more sense because it was like, it's just based on Lord of the Rings and they're just doing their own story and it's set ages before the books and all this sort of no, stuff. No, there's whereas, no guarantee this is going to be a direct adaptation of the books. I they said they could potentially do it. At, you no, know. I guarantee this is. It's at least like this first be, one. 
it'll be a adaptation of books that'll include some extra stuff, but it's still going to be the exact same story because is the Twilight world interesting enough that you want to see a bunch of spin-offs? No. The reason that Twilight books and movies did well is because of the Bella and Edward shit. So... Don't we want to learn how we can go Edward's beginnings, how he first became a vampire and got all sparkly? The origins no. of the sparkly vampires? No. And I've read Let's the books. That. Like, I enjoyed the books. Okay. But so you're became, how do you feel about no. movies? You know. Well, no, I feel like they could do it. So there's a lot that's happened since the films. That, so that I only watched the first couple of movies and I stopped because I didn't actually think they were very good. But I've read all the books. <laughs> Um, I never watched. So I know that people hated the last two movies and just like the the weird treatment and the way that it sort of does the, which is one of those things. I guess when you read it and like um, I was younger and I read it too, you don't really think too much about it. But there is a about weird storyline, Baylor and werewolf vampire. and all this sort of shit. There's a lot of weird shit in it. So I think if they change all the weird sh- shit, <laughs> <laughs> if they just change all of it. No, Maybe I mean, work. All the I, think, I think they could keep the core. So what made, what made the, I think the first movie is really good still. I stand by the first movie. In fact, I would happily rewatch that now because it's, it's fun. It's stupid. It's silly. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. It's just very, it's like, it's got, it's got a vibe, right? It's got a vibe. You, you either down with that vibe or you think it's dumb, but if you're down, you know, Muse plays basketball, uh, that baseball scene, you're all in. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, bow, you know, I catch the, it's, you're gone. It's a bunch of just Edward just like constantly like frowning and Bella being like, oh, it's, yeah, it's a whole movie. So, but I, I, I stand by that movie as like a solid seven or some shit. It's fine. Catherine Hardwick did a fine job. Um, but yeah, to, to fix it, you've got to, you got to start with the whole like falling in love with baby thing because that's fucking weird. Um, and then the other problem that I've read about... They don't need to address that for several seasons. <laughs> the other thing that I think w- would make the show a lot more interesting and fix the other major potential... Uh, the other issue that came up post me reading all the books and stuff as I got older and I would read about these things, and I think I've seen this circulating more now as this news came up, is all that's the the treatment of the um, indigenous... The, I can't remember the exact like the the name of the people that are portrayed in the, the, the films mm. and stuff, but the indigenous people, which they like, lot, you can go read a million articles about like the, the like how they're wrote, written for the books, how they're written in the, 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 the movie and all this sort of stuff. But like, I think if you take the core concept of twilight and you, you can keep it still twilight, sexy vampires, love story, but also like, have the the indigenous part be the cultural stuff yeah. the cultural stuff be a bigger part not have it like a weird appropriation thing or have it like played off stereotypically like make it like do that all right get rid of the weird falling in love with the baby thing like there's there is like the whole vatican vampire group thing which is like semi-interesting but not enough to that i'd watch a spin-off about it but look i'm gonna <laughs> fall on the side of could this be good? Yes. If everything I just said happened, will everything I just said happen? Probably not. So let's assume it's probably not going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, as someone who's never watched any of the Twilight films or read the books, cool. I guess uh, it, t- it just seems like another you know milking the franchise. Obviously, it's been several years since the franchise is finished, so I guess it makes sense to like 
bring it back again. It, uh, it just seems like a continuation of the trend of like, oh, it didn't work as a movie or it's been a while since the movie's out. Let's do a TV series because everybody's doing TV series at the moment. Um, but, um, you know, it could be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who they get to cast as the two lead roles because obviously they've got massive shoes to fill with uh, Kristen Stewart and... I couldn't. Uh, um, I had Benson. to find it because I felt that that the Quillette tribe, right? Yeah. So that's the official. They're the werewolves, right? Yeah, they're the werewolves. We're like they're a real tribe of yeah. indigenous people, and a lot of their culture and stuff is used in the books and movies. But and again, you could find a million articles about this. But the the common pull up point for the what was done wrong was outside stereotypical stuff and whatever they did cast some like actual indigenous people of course like jacob or whatever in the movie and stuff but all of the like taking their like history the whatever like stuff like appropriation stuff for their movie none of that those people were ever uh, compensated for their art their their uh traditions all that you know like all that stuff being used Mm. in anything so yeah that was like a common okay so yeah, I guess you know we'll wait and see how how this develops. <laughs> but yeah, it's just crazy. Twilight back is a thing. Uh, this was an interesting story I saw. Uh, as part of its ongoing celebration of the hundredth anniversary of Warner Brothers Studios, parent company Warner Brothers Discovery has commissioned short film adaptations of six classic movies from its vaults. These twenty-minute shorts, which will be which will be available to stream on Max later this year will update the films through today's more diverse and inclusive understanding of the world with the with what WBD's discovery uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion teams call representative casting, storytelling, and narrative. Uh, six filmmakers have been chosen by a committee that includes HBO, HBD's senior VP of DEI in North America, Karen Korn, alongside individuals from Warner Brothers, uh, several, you know, labs and uh, development communities. Uh, the filmmakers will receive a bu- f- budget through which they can derive their own compensation. will begin production this summer and will be mentored by a group of established producers and directors, including Greg Belanti, Angel Manuel Soto, Blitz Bazawell, John M. Chu, Dennis Gullett, and James Libich. Uh, the six filmmakers and their reimagined classics are Robin Cloud, doing Calamity Jane, Regan Linton doing Jack and the Beanstalk, B. Monet doing A Star is Born, Monica Moore, Suriag doing The Adventures of Robin Hood, Juan Pablo R.S. Munez doing Rebel Without a Cause, and Tassaron Ty Leclerc doing The Prince and the Pauper. John, just what do you think of this concept of them doing short remakes, I guess, or adaptations of classic Hollywood films? Seems weird. What's the, what's the, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the pitch or the, the reasoning just seems like. I guess to update and like, uh, honor, I guess really it's a massive like advertising thing. I would say more than anything else. It's like, for what? check out these things that are kind of adapting. I don't know what <laughs> really the point is. I mean, it's a great opportunity for these filmmakers um and like five out of those stories are stories that could potentially do with a modern remake Mm. one of them stands out as one that 
probably should not be on the list. It doesn't need a remake anytime in any time frame or, you know, seeing as it's been remade like six or seven times already. Yeah, but, that's one more, you know? I guess. Uh, I did see when I was like searching up the story, someone has already gone out and said, the woke agenda is remaking a bunch of uh, classic Warner Brothers films. Because obviously they're going to do like modern day castings and that kind of stuff. You know, so they could have a lesbian woman playing James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause. You know? So they're just assuming? That- yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept, like taking the premise of these movies and making like short films, I guess, uh, just for purely for streaming purposes and like as a homage or celebration of these classic films. Uh, Also giving these filmmakers like a spotlight and that kind of stuff. I think that's pretty cool. Interesting. We'll see. And let's be honest, how many of those films are these classic, how many of these classic films have people actually watched? And maybe all of them. People watch these all the time. How dare they ruin them? I've watched one of those. <laughs> There's outrage. You're a fake fan. Fake film buff? Yeah. Yeah. How many of those films have you watched? Name them all. Calamity Jane. Nah. Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Like the original Jack. Yeah. A Star is Born. Nah. Uh, the Adventures of Robin Hood. Yeah. Rebel Without a Cause. Yep. Prince and Pauper. No, I don't think so. So half. Half. Yeah. Do you want... Yeah, so I guess we'll wait and see how this turns out. Uh and we'll see the eventual like backlash against you know, yeah. I would imagine. It's gonna upset a bunch of people. It's gonna be fun to watch, I think. Mm. <laughs> Uh, last news story. Uh, this was an interesting one. Amazon Prime Video introduces a new feature that will help you actually hear the dialogue. Uh, for all of you that have trouble hearing the dialogue in Amazon Prime Video shows and movies, your complaints have been heard. Amazon has unveiled a new feature to its streaming service Prime Video called Captions. Dialogue Boost. Okay, never mind. Which allows viewers to <laughs> increase the volume of dialogue relative to background music and effects. The feature, which is currently limited on a which is available on a limited selection of Amazon originals was initially built for customers uh, or consumers who are hard of hearing, but anyone can use the tool to suit their own listening preferences. Uh, currently dialogue boost is only available on certain English language shows, including the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Jack Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan and Harlem. Uh, some films such as the big sick being the Ricardos and beautiful boy are also compatible with the feature. Amazon will be adding dialogue boost support to additional titles later this year through though. Uh, while similar dialogue boosting features are available on higher end televisions and theater systems, prime video claims it is the first global streaming service to offer the feature. But how does this even work? Well, Amazon says that the tool utilizes an AI to isolate and boost certain things in the audio. It analyzes the original audio in the movie or show, identifying times when it might be hard to hear the dialogue. Then the feature isolates Speech patterns and enhances the audio to make the words sound clearer and crisper. Uh, Dylan, is this something you would potentially use? No, but I feel like the the big test was would be to run the Dark Knight Rises or something yeah, just on any Christopher Nolan Christopher movie. Nolan thing and see how, how see how what they I can do on those. 
That'll be the big test. I no, I the pro, you know what the problem is with audio is half the problem is that all these all these things, these original shows, movies, and stuff, even though they're mixed for the, they're made for streaming services that they know everyone watches at home, they still all audio mix them for proper surround sound like movie mm. settings. Um, and everyone just has shitty TVs and no sound systems, and the audio just doesn't come out right. Is the, the problem? <laughs> I'm like I'm not to put the blame on people not owning good setups, but it's just that they mixed for cinema. Still, they're still mixed for like a proper setting, and then when they release them on streaming services, they don't change the. They don't like take into account that most people are watching them on fucking like not actual cinema. You know, like when they 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 used to like mix a movie for a cinema, then they would you know, they would play with the mix again for the VHS release because they knew it would be different. Yeah. So I I truly believe that's how, what the majority of the problem is. So Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea and a good use of AI and like one of the few promising uses of AI, I guess, in film and television. Did you see the Joe Russo quote that's been going no, around? No, I don't even fucking... Uh, not fucking crazy. No, nobody wants that, Joe. Nobody. No, well, some people do, uh, but not for like a rom com. They want it for <laughs> <laughs> do that for something else. Uh, he's that, so he's yeah. just like like giving a quote like here is here's how I'll never have to work again. Like here's how my whole here's profet- uh, here's oh how I'll make my job obsolete. <laughs> yeah, here's how I'll make my job and everyone I work with's jobs at, at, really yeah crazy. All right, uh, that's all the film news for this week. Let's jump. Let's give some thumbs to some trailers. Oscar find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, first trailer for this week is City on Fire, uh, created by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, starring Wyatt, Wyatt Olaf, Chase Sue Wonders, Jemima Kirk, Nico Tortorella, Ashley Zuckerman, Xavier Clyde, Max Milner, Alexandra Doki, Amid Abti, Kathleen Monroe, John Cameron Mitchell, Alexander Pinero, and Michael Toe. After Samantha Sicaro was shot in Central Park, New York City, on July 4th, 2003, the investigation into her murder reveals the crucial connection between a series of mysterious citywide fires, the downtown musical scene, and a wealthy uptown real estate family fraying under the strain of the many secrets they keep. Dylan, what did you think of this trailer for City on Fire? I got double thumbs up. I don't really know what's happening in this. It just seems like a lot's going on, but that's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> they're like, this girl got shot and she's connected to like the secret thing with like those fires happening. And then also this other thing with secret organization and all this other stuff. stuff. Uh, lots of people in this, this show, um, like standout sort of people. So um, I'm going, yeah, I'll go double thumbs up. I have no fucking clue what's going on there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to give it two thumbs up as well. I think it's, uh, raises a bunch of intrigue of course this is based on a series of books um by uh garth risk kalberg uh you know except those take place in the 1970s so i guess it's kind of a twist um yeah and of course josh watson stephanie savage are pretty successful like creative team creative team uh, most notably known for Gossip Girl, but they've done a bunch of other stuff as well. Josh Watts obviously known for Chuck and The OC as well. Um, so yeah, it, it looks promising. Uh, it as long as like this mystery is kind of resolved within the one season, I think 
uh, definitely be worth checking out. So this is coming to Apple TV Plus on the 12th of May. Next trailer, American Born Chinese, d- created by Kelvin Yu, uh, starring Michelle Yeoh, Ben Wang, Yao Yan Yan, Chin Han, Daniel Wu, Kiyu Kwan, Jim Liu, Sydney Taylor, Jin Wong. An average teenager juggles his high school social life with his home life where he, when he meets a new student on the first day of the school year, even more worlds collide as Jin is unwittingly tang- entangled in a battle of Chinese mythological gods. Dylan, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Uh, double thumbs up. Looks really good. Did we have a teaser trailer this before? Or did we just discuss the concept? Yes, I think there was a teaser trailer. Like, okay, yeah. On Disney Ages, Plus yeah. Day, I think. Off the yeah. yeah. Um, no, it looks really, really good. I lo- of course, the cast is sort of everything, uh, everything everywhere at all at once, like sort of half reunion with also just as a wild concept and stuff happening. So it's like an odd crossover there. Um, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Um I the weirdest part that so <laughs> I didn't like those. There's that shot where they're in the kids the, the kids bedroom or whatever, and there's like clearly all these like Marvel comic books placed in the background. You can read like Captain America and all this. Shit. I'm like, calm down, like with your <laughs> fucking. Do you really need like background product placement for your shit when it's on this Disney Plus show? Like, chill out. Anyway, I mean, uh, that's a real kids bedroom. He's yeah, just yeah. nothing but Marvel posters on the walls. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll go double thumbs up. Yeah, I'll give two thumbs up as well. I think maybe some of the special effects don't look fantastic, but um, it looks a lot of fun. And it's like a very relatable story, at least for like anyone of like Asian descent. Like the episode opens with, or like the trailer opens with a new Chinese kid. So let's get the Chinese kid to show him around. That's like uh, not uncommon in my experience. Um, And yeah. I think it looks really cool, like exploring Chinese mythology, of course, based on the Jin Lung Yang uh, graphic novel. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm very excited for this. Um, yeah, of course, like the incredible product placement of like Michelle Yeoh and Kiyu Kwan in the trailer. It's like Academy Award winners. Also from the director of uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Tailed Rings, uh, the massive Marvel film and like, definitely show that one shot of Stephanie Shu, <clears throat> even though she's uh i think like guest starring in one episode it's like make sure this she shows up in the trailer uh <laughs> yeah this looks like a lot of fun so yeah uh this is debuting on disney plus on the 24th of may next trailer white man can't jump directed by charles calmatic kid the second uh starring Cinque Cinqua walls Jack Harlow, Tiana Taylor, Laura Harrier, Vince Staples, Miles Bullock, and Lance Reddick. Juggling tenuous relationships, financial pressures, and serious internal struggles, two bowlers, opposites who are seemingly miles apart, find they might have more in common than they possibly imagined. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for this uh, remake of the 1992 film of the same name? I'm going to actually be a little bit controversial probably and say one up, one down. I think it looks like an unnecessary remake because it's just doing the the plot of the first movie. Like, doesn't look to have changed anything other than the the year it's set, I guess. Um, but that said, having Jack Harlow and all that, like, it's going to attract people. Going to watch it. Uh, I don't know. Like, it looks fun enough. It looks. It's just. It's, I don't know. It just seems pointless. But 
I can't really say they didn't look. I can't say it looked bad. It just it looks pointless. I'll go one up, one down. I'm going to give it two thumbs up. I think it was really good and funny. And <laughs> I haven't seen the original film, but uh, it looks like they've taken the original premise and kind of doubled down on like the trash talk and the the uh, jokiness and like kind of updated it. Um, the first one was a comedy, still like it was yeah, pitch- but. Uh, they've also added this clear goal of winning this tournament, which was, I don't think was in the first film. Then it was just like hustling and it was like, I think there were like crime people behind, trying to get them. So, I mean, uh, that seems like an element that's completely, completely taken out. Um, yeah. I mean, it looks funny, funny bits, the bit where he says buckets to the guy with massive ears. Come on. <laughs> And there's a flamethrower. Crazy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Why Man Can't Jump is coming to Disney Plus on the 19th of May. Next trailer is for Fubar, created by Nick Santora, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Monica Barbaro, uh, Jay Parashel, Aparana, Brielle, Andy Buckley, Mulan Carter, Fortune Feimster, uh, Barbara Eve Harris, Gabriel Luna, Fabiana, Udino uh, and Travis Van Winkle. Luke and his daughter Emma have lied to each other for years, both of them not knowing the other. is a CIA operative. Uh, once they both learn the truth, they realize they don't actually know each other. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for? Fubar. Fuck me all. Beyond all recognition. Is that what it stands for? That's what it stands for. At least in colloquially. Yeah. I'll go one up, one down. It looks... Sort of fun, but also not really something I'm going to be rushing out to, to watch. Like, I appreciate Arnie doing this. I think he's really good in comedy stuff, usually. It's sort of his his secret talent is doing comedy. But, yeah, there was no, like, no standout thing. It's just doing the typical, like, oh, no, the dad's like, oh, he can't treat his 28-year-old girl like a, a real woman yet. Still thinks she's, like, 12. I don't know. Like, some of the jokes, I'm just like, yeah, okay, like. It's not very eventful, but whatever. Uh, yeah, so I'll go one up, one down. Yeah, I'll go one up, one down as well. I think, you know, it looks fine. It looks like it'll be a fun time, enjoyable thing to, like, have on in the background while you're doing something else. Um, looks like some solid jokes, and it's cool to see Monica Barrero in uh, more stuff after Top Gun Maverick. Um, I guess seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger in, like, a TV show, it's, like, again, another case of, like, television is the future of you know, stuff, all these people who were only ever in movies and now in TV. Um, yeah. Uh, it looks like it'll be enjoyable enough time. It's very, it seems like a very Netflix show. You know, there seems to be a lot of, uh, these kind of tone shows, especially recently. Uh, so yeah, FUBA coming to Netflix on the 25th of May. Last trailer for this week, Insidious, the red door. Directed by Patrick Wilson, starring Ty Sipkins, Patrick Wilson, Haim Abbas, Sinclair Daniel, Andrew Astor, and Rose Byrne. Josh Lambert heads east to drop his son Dalton off at school. However, Dalton's college dream soon becomes a living nightmare when the repressed demons of his past suddenly return to haunt them both. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for the latest entry in the, in the Insidious franchise? Uh, yeah, I'll go one up, one down. I'm keen for this... Uh, as a movie to come back to these 
after many Insidious sequels that weren't actually connected to the the main characters from the first two films, coming back to them 10 years later and seeing where they're up to. Also, from what I can gather, it's still, it's the, the kid's still played by the kid, which is, you know, like, he's just actually grown up. That's how life works. But, um, will be good. Uh, getting the full cast back, um, with Burn and, uh, along for the ride and everything like that. Uh, I'm definitely keen to watch it. The trailer was just a little bit like, playing like having the the tulip song playing and stuff like that just leaned a little bit too heavily into like you remember the, the first fucking two you loved here's like we're back baby like i was like okay but whatever um yeah i'll go one up one down uh yeah i'll go one up one down as well of course this is my kind of movie but uh it looks black insidious <laughs> lots of weird stuff i think you know, it's obviously cut together really well with like the, especially like him doing the memory thing and there's the guy in the window uh, and then it turns out it's all a dream. Don't you just love it when that happens? Um, so how closely tied is, do they get their memories repressed at the end of the last movie or is this like a new thing that's been uh, invented for this I film? think I need to do a rewatch because the Insidious, the first two movies just have like a wild thing where, so the first one, they have this whole, like they're getting haunted and the kids in the coma and stuff like that. And then eventually uh, Patrick uh, Wilson goes into this like door area to like save his son and stuff like that. And then in the second movie, they're like, he ends up, it actually is revealed that Patrick Wilson en- ends up having to go back into this sub world. And then like everything that was happening to him in the first movie was being caused by himself in the future. And like in, in this ghost world, like it gets the lore of these movies is wild. So yeah, I think I need to do a bit of a rewatch. Okay. Yeah. It's, that does sound wild. Mm. Uh, all right. Insidious, the red door will be in Australian cinemas on the 6th of July. All right, let's jump into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, and one of the websites that I regularly frequent is the Imp Awards. And finally, <laughs> after much delay, they're doing this year's, uh, well, last year's best movie posters. So Imp Awards is like a website that like collates a lot of the movie posters that come out every week or like for all the different films uh, and they do annual awards in which they, you know, give them out to the best movie posters uh, this year, very delayed. Normally they do it in March, but now they've finally done it in April. So now we're going to give our top three movie posters of 2022. Uh, so Dylan, what's your number three? Now I wasn't sure. Cause you linked, did you want me to only use the ones that they've, nominated? you can do whatever you want. That was just like a kind of helper. You know what I mean? Okay, good. That helps them. All right. My number three is the Batman teaser poster, which they didn't have in their thing. It's like the red soaked one, uh, the silhouette on the, like there's not, it's just rain and it's all red. It says down the bottom, the Batman has the date down the bottom, but it's just like, like the highlight. It's just, you can't leave anything of Batman other than just a symbol on his chest and everything. It was a standout, the first post they put out, but um, that'll be my number three. Uh, my number three is the Babylon poster, you know, the one with uh, Margot Robbie in that red dress. She wears one in that one scene. <laughs> yep. You know the one. <laughs> I do. I've watched the movie twice now. Uh, just a clear depiction of the movie uh, captured in one scene. <laughs> and just completely, like, great uh, composition, like the names of all the stars down the 
the middle. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really well done poster. So yeah, my number three, Dylan. What's your number two? My number two is poster for Pearl, but not the one that they have in their nominee. It's actually the other one. So uh, I think this was, I think this was the first one, like teaser poster, and then the one they've nominated is like the main poster. But the other one has Migoff on the front. Um, she's holding an axe over her. There's like a spotlight on her. And then mm. in the background, she's against the bar, the barn shed um, of her home, but it forms an X in the background. So I really appreciate that, like, there's all this play on, like, you see Pearl, it's in quotes, it's like got the um, the the text is in the, like, f- like movie star sort of format of, of the time. Yeah. She's got the spotlight on her because she's obsessed and she wants to become this this actress. She's clearly killed someone because there's blood all over her hands and everything like that. You've got the X in the background because it's a spin-off of, the, of X. Um, like, I, I, I just think it's a very, yeah, very good poster. And I really, so. all right. My second pick, my number two, the Top Gun Maverick poster. Uh, in which, you know, Tom Cruise just sitting on his plane that he's been working on and looking at fighter jets. I don't think it makes any... I don't think it's pulled for any moment in the movie, but it's a very good minimalistic poster, uh, which I appreciate. And, like, yeah, I think it, it looks really good, obviously having the logo in the corner against the blue sky. Yeah, I think put together really well. So, yeah, that's my number two. Dylan, what is your number one poster of 2022? My number one poster is a Jackass Forever poster with Johnny Knoxville's a <laughs> chicken flying out of it at the front, uh, which may seem like a joke, but it's such a memorable, just like well done poster. Like it's design wise, it's a, it's like all you need. Like you, you look at it, you know clearly what it is. It's Jackass Forever. It does the you know line of sight photography rule, which is you see object down the bottom. It's firing something. You try your eye travels up with that. Oh, there's Joey Knoxville. Um, it's, like so, um, yeah, I think it's just a. It's like probably the best. I remember seeing it on the my local cinema every time it was on the wall for ages. I was like, that's such a funny, just perfect poster for this movie. Um, yeah, so I'm going with that. My number one. My number one is the Everything Everywhere All at Once tra- poster. You know, they've won every other award. Why not this? Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, it's a poster designed by James Jean uh just perfectly kind of encapsulate the movie in this one poster uh with all these beautiful designs like this obviously came out before the movie came out and yet you look at it and there's like all these little teasers to things in the trailer like obviously it's got all these little the the auditor trophies in the corner that you know, have some sort of significance in the actual film. They've even got Rakakuni in there that you wouldn't have known. Uh, you wouldn't have realized, like, going in that he would be, like, a big deal. Obviously, the thing with hot dog fingers, um, even, like, the little the, the dog that gets thrown around by Janie Slate is in the, on the poster. Uh, and the do- it rocks with googly eyes and stuff. So, yeah. Really good trailer. Uh, really good poster. Uh, definitely one I would like to have up on my wall, I think. So, yeah, that's my number one. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Um, (laughs) 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 I'm going to struggle this week. I mean, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm going for a bit of a holiday. So I'm flying out to Canberra later this week. So I'm sort of like as an off week, I'll put it. And because of that, 
I will say my answer is going to be because I believe the current plan is to finally watch Dungeons Dragons. So that's going to be my answer. Ooh, I'm excited. Excited to hear your thoughts on the dragons. Because Kieran finally watched it. He liked it. Yeah. After you like protested against it pretty much. Yeah. I've been protesting. Hated the concept of the movie. So I haven't got I haven't watched it yet, that's all. All right. I'm going Uh, to skip the TV show because I don't think that's I don't think I'm watching anything. You're not gonna watch anything. Uh this week I'm looking forward to Sweet Tooth season two. Little little dear boy coming back. Uh, dealing with a bunch of other human animal hybrids, so I'm well, looking forward true. to that. Yeah. No movie, I guess, this week. <laughs> I mean, Polite Society is coming out, which I've seen already. Uh, would recommend people seeing. Eighty for Brady is the only other big movie coming out this week, and not keen on that. And then, of course, Peter Pan and Wendy is coming out on Disney Plus, uh, and I'm pretty sure nobody excited about that. <laughs> yeah uh but yeah bunch of different tv show stuff coming out as well though so uh like love and death the miniseries which has not been getting good reviews so i don't know whether that's going to be worth checking out or i mean citadel's out citadel starts i haven't um i got sent screeners haven't started it so i can't really say anything but on the plane i just went uh, to it so <laughs> yeah had had this other thing to do yeah let us know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. Uh, if you want to help us out here at what you want to watch, leave us a review on a podcast, Podchaser, leave us five stars, and you can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, head over to our coffee page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess. <laughs>